Grace to you and peace from God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I did this a couple weeks ago, and we're going to kind of do it again today. Um, if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it. Our Old Testament lesson, Genesis 32, is where we are at. If you don't have a Bible app, snap a picture of that on the phone. Uh, you'll download an app. It's the Faith Life Study Bible app. Now, the Bible they particularly use is called Lexam. Um, however, that being said, it's fitting and it works. Um, but they also have a study Bible that comes with it that's pretty nice. It's a free study Bible. Who doesn't want that? Um, but uh, anyway, as, as we get going and as you guys uh, take your picture or do whatever you guys got to do, um, allow me to kind of bring you up to speed. We're talking today about Jacob. Jacob, the brother of Esau. Now, when Jacob was born... He was grabbing the heel of Esau as he came out. And so they're twins, but Esau's just a little bit older. In fact, his name literally means heel grabber, but it also came to be known as trickster. He tricked Esau out of his birthright. He tricked Esau out of his blessing. And then after that, he went running. Oh, that's right. Jacob went running. Ended up at his uncle's house, and then... His uncle tricked him. And then he had to work some, he, had to, he, he tricked him into marrying the, the daughter that he didn't want to marry. And then he ended up finally, after 14 years, marrying the girl he really wanted to marry. And all of this takes place, and finally Jacob decides he's going to return home. But he knows Esau's mad. In fact, Esau, one of the last words that Esau said to him was that, if I ever see you again, I'm going to kill you, or something along those phrases. I'm paraphrasing. But that's pretty much what he said. And so Jacob returns, and he's going back, and he gets, catches wind that Esau's coming. And so Jacob is scared of Esau. What is Esau going to do? He's going to try to kill me. And as it turns out, Esau is bringing 400 men. 400 men. And so this trickster finds his way all the way to the Jabbok, which is a river that basically it flows into the Jordan River. It's almost like a wadi. And he goes to one side of it. And then that's actually kind of where our text begins. He's on one side of it. He sends his family to the other side of it. Now I want you guys to think about that for a second. Because I need you guys to realize what Jacob is doing and the type of person that Jacob is. Jacob does not want to die. And so what does he do when he hears that Esau is sending 400 men? He sends his family in front of him. He sends his family in front of him. His wife, his kids, his servants, all of those people. He sends them right over the river. He says, you guys go over there. If he slaughters all of you and makes it past, I have time to run away. This is Jacob. This is the man that we're talking about this morning. This is who he is. And so, yes, after all is said and done, Jacob is left alone. Jacob is left alone. He is alone, and then there he meets a man. We're not really told a lot about this man, but yet, at the same time, he, he meets this man. Now, later, we're going to find out that this is God. 
A lot of scholars like to say this is the pre-incarnate Jesus. That is to say, this is Jesus before he was born of the Virgin Mary. He runs into this man and he wrestles with this man. And he wrestles with him until the breaking of the day. Now my guess is, is at this point, a lot of you guys are really confused about this story. For a lot of good reasons. Because here's the story that we know and love. Or maybe we don't love, but at least we know it. Jacob wrestles with this man to the break of day. And Jacob is really good. He is wrestling with God and he is winning. And he wins so much so that this man basically cries uncle. To the point where he has to pull out his godlike powers to break his hip. Just so that he can get out of this, this, this stranglehold that Jacob seems to have on him. And then he forces God to bless him. And then after that, that's when we kind of go come to the rest of the story. That's, that's a story that we're used to. That's a story that we probably heard in Bible class. And that's a story that we're accustomed to. Do you know why you read that story that way? The reason you read that story that way is because in ancient times, just before Christ... Some rabbis made some executive decisions, and they added these, these kind of notes, these kind of helps for you. They added them into the Greek text, not the Hebrew text. If you take those helps out, this text becomes, well, first of all, it becomes a lot more confusing. But second of all, is it becomes to an extent where you can read it in another direction if you want. Uh-oh. Oh, good. What I'm seeing up there, see there's different. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. All right. Dare I say, let's make this go back to the closer to the original Hebrew. That the man, that's actually he. When he saw that he did not prevail against him, that's not Jacob, that's him. Oh, it's not quite lining up on that screen. I'm trying to, trying to cross it out. He touched his, sop, his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now, let me say that again. Just, just listen for a second. When he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. See the, see the pronouns? They're just flying back and forth. Now, if you assume that this is meant to be read back and forth, first the man, then Jacob, then the man, then Jacob, well, that's where we get our typical understanding. But what if that's not exactly the case? What if he is Jacob, and what is it, what is it, when he, when Jacob saw that he could not prevail against him, that is the man, the man touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Kind of flips the way we think about it, doesn't it? Oh. Then he said, and we, again, we assume 
that Jacob is the one speaking. But again, this is not clear. That is he. Then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So notice the pronouns flipping back and forth, flipping back and forth. Here's a different view. And like I said, I, I, I'm, there's, there's several people on, on kind of both sides of the fence here. So I'm not going to say that this is the absolute way you have to take this text. But I am going to say that it is a reasonable way to text, take it. It is a grammatical way that you can take it. And I will also say that it seems to make more sense, at least to me. This man and Jacob decide to wrestle. And this man tears Jacob up. He wrestles him. He beats him down. And then, if that wasn't bad enough, when he's down and out, this man takes it and hits his hip and knocks his hip out of joint. And then, when he's finally had enough, then God responds, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And then the text tells us that his name is to be changed to Israel, which means strived with God because, and the text says he prevailed, but that word there means he endured, he lived. He actually lived. And notice what he calls the place right afterwards. Penuel. He saw the face of God and he lived. Think about that for a little bit. Dwell on that for a little bit, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about that again here in a short minute. We've done this last week. We're splitting the sermon up. We're about to go to our, our next song. So, But I want you guys to think about that and think about our text as I continue on. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Back when I was in college in Concordia University, not seminary, I went there and I had to learn Greek. That was a, a mandated class uh, for pre-sem and for seminary. You had to know Greek. And I was scared. And I was scared for good reason. It was, it was hard. And, and I got into that class. I, I immediately felt lost. I really did. But luckily for me, the school had tutors. And they had a lot of tutors. Now that's actually should be exceptional because realize like this is Concordia University. This is not, this is not a lion eye. I know a lot of you guys are looking forward to the game later today. This is not a lion eye, all right? This is not one of those massive schools. This is a Concordia University. I think we had 1,200 students at the time. And yet I could take my pick of tutors for my Greek class. That's the way it went. The tutor I chose, his name was Mike. I loved Mike. Mike and I got along real, real well. Uh, he helped me out all the way through Greek 1. We got through Greek 2, and we started this process of translating the Bible. And uh, we were translating uh, in the Gospel of John. Now, when you first start out with translating verses from Holy Scripture, you're not exactly a speed reader. You read real slow. And so I was reading one or two verses at a go. And then sometimes we'd take two, three days of a break before we came back. And so I was in, chap I was in John chapter 1. I was at, I was made it all the way the, the week before, the few days before. We made it to verse 19. And so I started chapter 1, verse 20. Now, chapter 1, verse 20 
It's John the Baptist talking. But he says, I am not the Christ. But realize, I'm a college kid. I'm studying Greek. We got to, we got to verse 19 like four days ago. I can't remember what that verse says. And so I'm in John chapter 1, verse 20, and I look at that, and I think, I, in my mind, I'm thinking, this is Jesus talking. And he says, I am not the Christ. And I go, whoa, that's not right. And so I look up at Mike, and Mike's like, no, you got it. You're right, right on. And I'm really confused. And I said, no, I can't be right. There's, there's no way I translated this right. And, and Mike, Mike, no, you got it, you got it. And I, finally, I just laid it out. I said, look, there's no way that Jesus says in the Gospel of John that he is not the Christ. There's no way. And Mike starts laughing. You see, because that's the kind of friends we were. We laugh at each other's mistakes. And he starts laughing. Finally, he says, that's John the Baptist talking. And I was like, oh! Such a minor thing, right? Context. But, you know, that's the way it is with some of these languages. You get into some of these things, and it's like the most minor thing can have such a major impact. And I know it seems a little nitpicky at times. But the reality is, is that some of it has a huge implications. One of the things that I was kind of showing today is some of those implications of choosing whether or not to put the name in versus a pronoun. Now, putting the name in makes it seem like it makes a lot more sense. But sometimes they can misguide us into a different view, into a different, a different view altogether. When we look at the actual text and the actual Hebrew or Greek, sometimes things become clearer and sometimes they actually don't. One of the things I like about this text, though, is, well, two things, several things I like about this text, but, but two of the things I like about this text are, one, you can kind of read it in either direction. And at the end of the day, what happens with Jacob and his brother still kind of ends up the same. But at the same time, it makes a lot more sense whenever you put the pronouns the way, the way I did it, kind of restoring the, the original Hebrew kind of translation there. Because what you get is you get Jacob in all of his arrogance, sending his family out in front of him. And then basically, God coming and struggling with him, yes, but basically taking Jacob to task. And how does this how does this passage actually end afterwards? Now, our text doesn't go to chapter 33. But if you were to go all the way into chapter 33, and you were to actually start reading through that and looking forward, here's what Jacob does. As, after he walks across the face of Penuel, the face of God, he walks across the river, he walks through his family and goes to the front of the line. Esau is coming. Esau is coming, and Esau has 400 people. Now, we might like to think that he brought 400 soldiers to be really nice with Jacob. But I think the more likely is that he came to do exactly what Jacob feared. He came to kill Jacob for all that he had done. But now imagine what Esau sees. He sees a broken man, a man who has struggled all night long, who's probably been beat up. And by the way, this works either or. Even if Jacob is the one that won the wrestling match, guess what? He still wrestled with this man all night. He is tired, he is exhausted, he is beat up, and he's limping. His hip is out of joint. It would have been an absolutely pitiable sight. Here's this man that is broken beyond broken. And he comes and he bows down before Esau and the 400 men. 
Just envision that sight. And Esau looks at Jacob. He looks at this broken man. He looks at this beat up and broken man, and he has mercy. He has mercy. In the Old Testament, all things point forward to Christ. It's called, if you want to go, the, the advanced study, the advanced name of it, it's called typology. But basically what it comes down to is all things in the Old Testament point forward to Christ. And so does this story. So does this story. Here we have a man who suffers and because of his suffering receives mercy. We have a good and gracious God. We have a wonderful God, a holy God. A God that is so superior to us in every way imaginable. And all we deserve is death and damnation. Yet he looks down and he sees his son. His son who suffered. His son who went through pain. His son who bled. And he did it for you. And our God sees his son upon the cross and he has mercy on you. He sees his son and he gives to you forgiveness. He gives to you salvation. He gives to you the one thing that there's no way we could ever get, we could ever achieve on our own. He gives to us eternal life. He sees his suffering son, and he gives to you mercy, grace, and forgiveness. That's some good news. That's some great news. That's the gospel. All the way back in the Old Testament, all the way back for you present day. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. At this time, let us now stand as we confess our common faith in the word.